be praying just as we are breathing as Christians. Pray without ceasing. Jesus Christ is coming again. He is coming again. We must confess our sin, call upon God, and yield our will to him. Those are the three points for today, that last sentence. And we must do those things. That's part of praying and uh, lifting up our hearts and our hands to God. In Revelation 3.16, here's what it says. Revelation 3.16. And he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or in their foreheads. And that no man might buy or sell, save he that hath the the mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of his name. Here is wisdom. Let him that hath understanding count the number of the beast, for it is the number of a man, and his number is six hundred threescore and six. I'm sure you're familiar with that idea, at least if you didn't know for sure where it was. There it is, right there in Revelation. And that time is coming. That day is coming. Uh, It will happen. And um, if you lived 2,000 years ago, you might think to yourself, of course, the population was a lot smaller then compared to today, but still it was huge. I mean, uh, the, the world population even 2,000 years ago was bigger than anybody could, could really control or wrap their mind around. And uh, it says, he causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond to receive a mark. And, uh, and by this mark, no one would be able to buy or sell unless you had that mark in your right hand or your forehead. And that mark, that number, has a, a, a number. It's 666. And uh, so the Bible told us that 2,000 years. Can you imagine 2,000 years ago trying to imagine how is he going to do this? How is he going to control everyone? And how, can, how will that work? And, of course, even back when I was a child, there was movies that came out where they showed an ink stamp on someone's hand or on their forehead. And, uh, you know... Uh, that was that was, but it actually says in the hand or in the forehead, and um, and that mark does have in in the 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 Greek that was translated mark the word mark in English, it does have the idea of even an etching. I can't say for sure, but I do believe that that when we see these microchips that are now being invented to implant under the skin, and um, I had a dog that had a microchip, and uh, you might have a dog that has a microchip. Um, your car probably has some kind of a satellite um, surveillance on star, whatever it might be. Uh, we now understand how that can happen even more uh, more uh, understandable for us today than it might have been for them. And yet, am I freaked out about that? No, because God told me 2,000 years ago it's going to happen. You know, God warned us way back when. And maybe it isn't the a computer chip maybe maybe we're just assuming that because of what we know in our technology today but it's something like that and uh, a few years ago it was getting to be where uh, did you get the vax and do you have a card and can you prove that you because if you don't you can't you can't come into our store unless you're wearing a and and so are we getting closer to that kind of global control yeah yeah we are we're getting more and more conditioned the young people today uh, are not aware of the freedoms that you grew up when you were with when you were a young person. And so we can see this day coming, and it's coming more rapidly than we might have imagined and more horrifically than we might have imagined. So the author of our book, and he's a good man, good pastor, and um, he, he says this in, in the second paragraph. In Revelation thirteen sixteen through 18, God tells us about the man, this, this individual, 
who will stand up and he our author says after the rapture and he'll be instead of Christ and against Christ and by the way the word antichrist the word anti means two things it means instead of and against we always think of anti as as against and and that's true anti is definitely opposed but anti also means instead of in other words in replacement of okay and that's also part of the definition and of course anyone who tries to replace themselves as being christ is automatically against christ so this is an antichrist person and this antichrist person will cause people to receive the mark of the beast on or in their hand and in their forehead that's what's going to happen i do take issue with the word after though and i don't want to get off on a rabbit trail today but let me just show you why second thessalonians chapter two most every preacher on the radio or tv and even most in churches today would agree with what he said and i'm just going to tell you why i i can't second thessalonians chapter number two and second thessalonians chapter two Here's what it says. Verse 1. Now I beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, either by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Don't, don't be troubled as if you missed it, as if Jesus came, it's already happened, and you, you missed it. And so then in verse 3 it says, Let no man deceive you by any means because it hasn't happened yet it goes on to say for that day shall not come and it gives a qualification here two things you can be sure of two things before jesus returns that day shall not come except there come a falling away first and the the greek word that translates falling away is apostasia and we get the word apostasy from that the idea of there's going to be great apostasy. There's going to be a great falling away from truth into error. And, and, and we see that. I mean, that's why Acts 8.37 is missing from the Bible. That's why people have it missing from their theology, that you must believe with all your heart before you can be baptized. That's an apostasy to teach, other, to teach you don't need to believe to be baptized. There's other apostasy. We're seeing lots of apostasy happening. So there's two qualifications before he returns. Number one, in verse 3, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition. Now, according to what that says there, that man of sin or that antichrist person will be publicly revealed before the return of Jesus Christ. So that's why I take issue when saying after, because Christians have been lethargic to believe that we're going to get zapped out of here before the man of sin is revealed and before there's a, a great falling away. Well, we know for sure there's a great falling away. And we can see where, good grief, just around the corner, anybody could pretty much step up and say, I got this, I'm going to fix the world's problems, and everyone will bow to him and say, you know, he, he, he solved it, he stopped World War III, um, and uh, he eradicated the pandemic, whatever it might be next. And all he wants us to do is, is sign up for this mark so that we all can be in his system. Uh, and, of course, you know how it will be sold. Uh, if your child gets kidnapped, we can, we can immediately pinpoint where your child is. I mean, you can, you can see the sales pitch here. 
Um, if, if your loved one's involved in a car crash and there's no identification, there's no medical card, there's nothing, they don't have some kind of an ID hanging on them, but they got that chip, and if everyone has to have the chip, you can scan them, and, oh, this person is, you know, whatever, uh, blood type, all that. Lots of selling points for why this will be a good idea. But also you can see where it's going. So um, I just want to warn you that because I think, personally, I think that Christianity, especially in America, has become very lethargic to believe that God will never let it get bad. He'll get us out of here before. Now, I do believe that God will never allow us who are saved to go through the wrath. We're not appointed to wrath. Um, 1 Thessalonians 5 says that God's people are not appointed to wrath. But Jesus said, and God's word indicates in Thessalonians and a lot of other places, that in this world you will have tribulation and there will be persecution. And you tell the Christians in China or Sudan or Egypt or Palestine, they're Christians in Palestine, you tell the Christians around the world that don't have our freedoms, that you won't suffer any tribulation. They'll look at you like, are you kidding me? I'm suffering it every day. And so the only, the only people that buy into this, into this pre-tribulation rapture idea are, are, the, are the Americans because we, we, we thought or think that that could never happen here. And yet it's, it's, it's something we need to recognize. So I rarely disagree with anything that our author writes. I really appreciate his material, and that's why I use a lot of it. But I just want to say that I take issue with the after. So that's just a sobering side point. That's not really the main point today. Let's go on. In contrast, third paragraph, page 25, God says through Jeremiah in Lamentations 3.41, Let us lift up our heart with our hands unto God in the heavens. God does not only desire a verbal commitment. Our Lord wants his people to take action from a heart yielded to him. So it's not just about physically lifting up hands. And I don't think it's... it's unbiblical if you want to lift up your hands i i don't know that you have to lift them up a certain way uh but but the idea here is that you're just your your heart your hands are empty it's almost as if you're saying i'm I'm just waiting for you to fill my hands i i need you in lamentations chapter three we can read some verses here and we have a lot of verses to go through and so i'm just going to have to go speed it up a little bit here and go a little faster but lamentations jeremiah Lamentations, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Lamentations 3 and verse 31. For the Lord will not cast off forever, but through though he cause grief, yet will he have compassion according to the multitudes of his mercies. For he doth not afflict willingly, nor grieve the children of men, to crush under his feet all the prisoners of the earth, to turn aside the right of man before the face of the Lord Most High, to subvert a man in his cause, the Lord approveth not. Who is he that saith, and it cometh to pass, when the Lord commandeth it not? Out of the mouth of the Most High proceedeth not evil and good. Wherefore doth a living man complain, O man, for the punishment of his sins? Let us search and try our ways and turn again to the Lord. Let us lift up our heart with our hands unto God in the heavens. We have transgressed and have rebelled. Thou hast not pardoned. Thou hast covered with anger and persecuted us. Thou hast slain. Thou hast not pitied. Thou hast covered thyself with a cloud. 
that our prayer should not pass through. Thou hast made us as the offscouring and refuse in the midst of the people. All our enemies have opened their mouths against us. Fear and a snare has come upon us. Desolation and destruction. This is a people that used to be free and independent, and now God has allowed them to be broken down, and they're calling out to him in desperation. I, I, I think Lamentations 3 is going to be a good chapter to go to in the future. In this world, evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. Second Timothy 3 tells us that. Evil men and perilous times shall come. Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse. It's going to happen. God is searching for a people who will pay the price in their own personal lives to please him. And that's what Second Chronicles 7.14 says. When I walked into the Reagan Library, I've been in the Reagan Library several times out in California, and I walked into the Reagan Library, the first thing that you see there is a Bible opened up to Second Chronicles 7.14. It's his mother's Bible. Bible, and it says, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. And in the margin, Mrs. Reagan wrote a promise for a he- the healing of the nations. I love the fact that someone thought that that should be the first thing you see when you walk in. And it's never changed. I mean, I realize it was given to God's people in the Old Testament, but if you're a born-again Christian, you're God's people today. And if my people will call, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, those that are called by his name. So we need to recognize that we need to get ourselves right with God. This nation was blessed because it was a Christian nation in the majority, and people were honoring and loving and respecting God more than today. Page 26 and 27, we must confess our sins to God. Three points. We must confess our sins to God. There again in Lamentations 3, verse 40, it says, Let us search and try our ways and turn again to the Lord. We need to search. Now, search is different than what your husband does when he opens up the fridge and says, I can't find it. And then you have to go and show him. It's right behind the If you had just moved the milk, you'd have seen it right search is when you actually search all right and we guys we don't we we just don't do that um and uh search is when you say i'm not just going to stare at it and say nope can't see it no i'm going to start searching and searching to see if you really have any sin in your heart is different than just saying oh compared to ron spear i don't have any sin in my heart that's not who we compare ourselves to we compare ourselves to the word of god and the lord jesus christ and we say oh i got sin in my heart and uh, and so searching is, is being honest and being more thorough. So, as someone already quoted today, we must confess our own sin. First John 1, verse 9 and 10. If we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we, say, if we say we have not sinned, we have made him a liar. So we have compared ourselves to the rest of the world for so long that we think that we are much better than the people who are doing the most wicked things. Let me remind you which country promotes the most filth in movies. We have compared ourselves to the rest of the world and we think that we're better. And uh, we need to be honest enough to say we are not right. We complain this world is not my home. I'm ready to leave here and praise God if you're saved. This world is not your final home. But Titus chapter 2, verse 13, and someone quoted that already, uh, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm looking forward to that too. But I like what he says here. He said, it's not our disappearing, you know, we're going to get zapped out of here. It's not our disappearing that we should be looking for, but his appearing. 
It doesn't say looking for our disappearing. No, it says looking for his appearing. Someone said, Pastor Furs, if you teach what you teach, and I only teach it because it's in the Bible, you're not leaving anybody with any hope. I'm like, are you kidding? After tribulation, you know what every Christian's going to be looking for? The glorious appearing of Jesus Christ. I think there's probably somebody in here besides me that would agree. I'm sick of this place. I'm looking forward to him coming back. I'm not convinced any future election is going gonna, is gonna to fix it. I'm not convinced that, that this world is, is comparable to heaven as a great place to live. Not suicidal. But I'm looking forward to him coming. I'm looking forward to him, his return. I'm convinced, and I, and I will still vote, but I'm convinced that even if we have a really, I, I mentioned Reagan, even if Reagan could, could run for a re-election today, I'm convinced that someone even like him would have to make so many compromises just to get elected that it would be almost impossible to do anything. That's what I'm convinced of. And it's because we, the people, are not what we, the people, used to be. We're, we need a revival. We need a turning around. So we must confess our sins to God. We have to. And individually, not just nationally, we personally. That's why Psalm 51, verse 1 through 10, and I think Ron might have read this the other night when we were together on Friday, but Psalm 51, this is David confessing his sin. I believe that this is after the adultery with Bathsheba and the murder that he did, committed against her, her husband to try to cover up the adultery. Psalm 51, verse 1, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to thy multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me throughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only, have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mayest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. By the way, let me just stop and say, it's that inside that God is most concerned about. That old word in verse 2, throughly, we say, oh, come on, it's thoroughly. That old King James Bible. You know, I, I read something recently. I think it's pretty interesting. Someone said, throughly is, thoroughly is outside in, throughly is inside out. Don't know if that's true or not, but I like to think of it that way, and I think the Bible teaches that. Throughly, through and through, inside out. You know, if the inside is right, the outside will get right. But you know how many times we can fix the outside and never get right on the inside? We can make the outside look good. Paint jobs are, are deceiving. Behold, thou desirest, verse 6, truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins, and blot out all mine iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Notice the inward emphasis of those verses. God's priority is me being right with him. That's the priority God has for every one of his children. Jeremiah chapter 29 and verse 17 through 20. 
Jeremiah. Lots of verses today because this is just all over the Bible, this, this idea here. But Jeremiah 29, verse 17. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Behold, I will send upon them the sword, the famine, the pestilence, and will make them like vile figs that cannot be eaten. They are so evil. And I will persecute them with the sword, with the famine, and with the pestilence, and will deliver them to be removed to all the kingdoms of the earth, to be a curse and astonishment and a hissing and a reproach among all the nations whither I have driven them, because they have not hearkened to my words, saith the Lord, which I sent unto them by my servants, the prophets, rising up early and sending them. But ye would not hear, saith the Lord. Hear ye therefore the word of the Lord, all ye of the captivity whom I have sent from Jerusalem to Babylon. Jeremiah 29, verse 17 through 20, is telling us uh, the Lord told his people that they were to call upon him, but they would not. They made other gods. Jeremiah chapter 2, verse 28 says that for every city they had a god. They had as many gods, little g, they had as many little g gods as they had cities. Think about that. They're supposed to have one god. But he said, Judah, you have as many gods as you have cities on the map. They made other gods that were not gods at all. God is not going to come through until we are willing to confess our private secret sins. Ron quoted Psalm sixty-six, eighteen: If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. And back there in Lamentations 43 and 44, chapter 3, verse 43 and 44, it says pretty much the same thing. If we don't do a searching, and if we don't allow God to do a searching, in our hearts, we're never going to get right with God and he'll not be pleased to, to answer our prayer. So we must lift our hearts with our hands. As the theme verse says, verse 41 of Lamentations 3, lift up our heart with our hands unto God in the heavens. We need to be able to show him our heart is clean and not just our hands are clean. God wants to see clean hands, but he also wants a pure heart. And so in order to confess our sins completely it's not just cleaning up on the outside and comparing myself to to some other person and saying well i'm as clean as they are but rather knowing and seeing what's in the heart and then taking an axe to our own gods and our own idols and our own desires and to destroying it and destroying what we know god does not want there we cannot divide thought and action we cannot claim to be serving with our hands when our heart isn't serving If your heart is right, your hands will be right. But it's easy to look good on the hands without having the heart right. So we must confess our sins to God. And then we must call upon God in prayer. We go back to Leviticus, or excuse me, Lamentations chapter 3. And if you're not there already, I need to get there myself. Lamentations 3 again. And we see that, those verses 43 and 44. Uh, but then we go back to verse 40 and 41. Let us search and try our ways and turn again to the Lord. Let us lift up our heart with our hands unto God in the heavens. We must call upon God in prayer. We must confess and then we must call out. Only after we're willing to confess our sin can we then call out to God in prayer. So this is a study on prayer. So when it, when it comes to prayer, you might as well forget it if you're not going to confess. If you don't have any desire to search and allow God to search you and clean up your inside, forget the praying. But that's not the answer. So we must confess, and then after confession, we can call. So there's first confession, and then there's the calling. 
and uh, we call out to God in prayer, and then he can hear us. Isaiah 55, verse 6 and 7. I'll quickly read that to you. Isaiah 55, verse 6. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return unto the Lord, and he will have mercy upon him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. We need to understand the importance of confession than calling. God wants to show us great and mighty things. Jeremiah 33 verse 3 says, Call unto me and I will answer thee and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. He wants to show us great and mighty things. God wants to do miracles. God wants to answer our prayer. It is not that his hand is shortened, Isaiah says. It is not that he can't do it anymore. It's just that we're sinful on the inside. And if we can't get right, if my people will not humble themselves and pray, if we can't get right with God on the inside, he's not going to be able to do what he wants to do. The Bible says in Psalms, it says, they limited the Holy One of Israel. They limited God. How could you and I, if I arm wrestled God, he could tear my arm right off. And yet the Bible says I can limit God. How can I have power over God? by not being right with him. Because if I'm not right with him, he can't prove himself through me. He can't show my neighbor the miracles because I'm not right with him. And so limiting God is when we don't get right and we don't get rid of our pride and our self and our issues and we don't allow God to do a thorough cleaning and search our hearts. We can't call on him and we can't see great and mighty things which we can't imagine. Uh, we'll never see them if we come with a dirty heart and unconfessed sin. That's where it's got to be. That's the, that's it. That's where the rubber meets the road. We have to recognize ourselves as being the hindrance here. This is why I don't like talk radio. I'm not saying I don't like everything that goes on on talk radio. I just think that a lot of times talk radio gets us to think about how worse everybody else is. That's why gossip is a bad thing. Because gossip causes us to feel better about ourselves, or we think we feel better about ourselves. But at the end, we realize it wasn't really a satisfying conversation. But it's a justification in our own minds about things. So we have to recognize that we're never going to get the answers until we confess. The world is in need. We must come to the place where we say to the Lord, I have nothing to set before. Remember lesson number one, in Luke chapter 11, it was about this person knocking on the door. Hey, I need some help. Well, go away. It's midnight. I need some help. I, I had someone come to my house, and I've got nothing. I've got nothing to feed them. I've got nothing I can give them. Would you just open up the door and loan me some of your food so I can feed my guests that just came? I need, I've got nothing. And the, 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 the picture here is we're desperate. The stores aren't open. I can't go buy any food. I, I'm just asking. And, and so the, the picture here is you keep knocking because you've got nothing. That's what it is. We must come to the place in our lives where we realize I've got nothing. I have a need and I can't do anything about it. This is the desperation of the man in Luke 11, 5 through 8, that we read in, in lesson number one in our book here. The Lord is our only resource. We need to come to that. Um, if you still think that politics are the answer, if you still think that money's the answer, if you still think that that buying more guns is the answer, if you still think that if we'll just do this, it'll fix it. If you'll, if 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 you've got something, you probably won't pray. But when you come to the point where you realize I got nothing, 
there is nothing I can do to fix this. That's when you might go to God. And maybe that's why God is allowing us to get desperate. Because the Lord is our only resource. And we are to ask and keep on asking. And we are to seek and keep on seeking. And we are to knock and keep on knocking. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. I don't like being desperate. I know you don't. We don't like, that's not what we like. We like being comfortable. But desperation causes us to do what he's wanting us to do all along. Recognize we really don't have anything and we need him. And that's, I think, what's happening today is to recognize we really have nothing and we need him. So we have confession and then we have calling after the confession and then we have yielding. We must yield our will to God's will. When we hear about the troubles of this world, we realize something must be done before it's too late. Do we want our way or God's way? In Luke chapter 11, as I've been talking about, we can turn there, Luke chapter 11. We see that parable, that story. But here's what we see. Before he started talking about that friend knocking at midnight and and saying, I've got nothing in verse 6, I need help. Here's what we see. Luke chapter 11, verse 1. And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when his deceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed. By the way, hallowed, you recognize the word Halloween, very similar. Hallowed is the idea of holy and honorable is thy name. There is nothing honorable or holy about Halloween, by the way. But that's why the same word is used. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then notice, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Typical praying is, or pretend praying is, Lord, my kingdom come and my will be done. Please answer. But that's not the pattern God gives us. Our Father which art in heaven, you know better than I, so I'm just going to pray your kingdom come and your will be done. I'm just going to submit to what you want done. That's yielding. So do we want our way or God's way? When we pray, is it my will be done or is it really his will be done? Is that a submission to him or are we trying to get God to go along with our will? So the greatest lesson I have learned as a Christian, our author says, is that each of us is personally accountable to God. Absolutely. Think how that changes our work with other people. They have a conscience where God is working, and we cannot override that conscience to make them do what we want them to do. As parents, I made my children do things, but that's because I'm a parent I'm supposed to. And... um, Joshua is is struggling a little bit because he still lives under my roof. And I'm struggling because he's about to leave. And I got to let him make decisions. Now, I'm always telling him, hey, you should really do this and don't forget this and don't forget about that. And he's like, I want to be independent. Don't tell me everything. And you know what? There's coming a day where he will be on his own. And 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 even if he didn't do it the way I told him to do it, I'm not going to I'm not going to go by I told you. Told you so. But once he is on his own and he leaves his father and mother and cleaves to his wife, 
it's not my business what they decide to do. It's not my decision. But as a parent, I have, I have made sure that they understood my will is what you're going to follow as long as you're eating my food and living under my house. But we know there is the freedom of religion. We know there's a freedom of conscience. And as much as we want people to do certain things, we can't make them do it. But we can pray. We can pray. And we can ask God to make them do it. We can ask God to force them to think differently than the way they're thinking. Um, because in the end, every individual is accountable. Every individual stands before God on their own for themselves and gives an account. So one person could call unto the Lord and hit in this conflict of wills and say, Lord, thy will be done. If we just have more of individuals that would just say, God, your will be done. Not my agenda, not my way, but your way. I want to please you in all things. No matter their talent or ability, God can use that person in a mighty way. And over time, our goal as parents was to teach our children to realize God's way is the best way. It isn't dad's way or mom's way. It's God's way. And if it's God's way, you can trust it. Um, but why isn't God moving and working in our land? Because he's not going to change anything until we are willing to be changed until we recognize we need change. You go back and look at the Old Testament and here's what you'll find. Like Daniel, for instance. In the book of Daniel, in chapter 9, Daniel says, God, we have sinned. Now, personally, I don't think Daniel did a lot of it himself. But he said, God, we nationally are wrong. And Daniel was including himself. And that's what we, we have to do. We have to we have to realize where we have been selfish and we have had self-will and we have had fleshly desires and, and dis things and goals that were not God's. And we need to recognize it's yielding our will to God's will. His kingdom come, his will be done. I'm so thankful. I love America. Anybody that, that's been here long enough, you know, I love to talk about American heritage, American history. Um, there's no greater nation. There's no greater nation that, that emphasized Jesus at one time than, than America. But I'm telling you, I love the fact that there's even better kingdom out there. There is a citizenship of heaven that's better than even this citizenship. And I'm so looking forward to that and so thankful that as a Christian, this world is not all there is. Thankful for that. Well, let's confess, let's call, and let's yield to the Lord. That's the only way. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you for our lesson study opportunity that we have again this morning to think about some things, to reflect, to recognize, to, to do some searching and help us to not be proud or dishonest enough to not do some searching. Help us do some searching. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.